Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Good evening, Timberlake. How's everyone feeling out there this evening? You guys doing all right? All right, we need to wake up. Do this for me. Turn to someone beside you. Just let them know you look good this evening. Just let them know. We all need that pick-me-up, that encouragement. Share the love. Married people, I hope that helps. Single people, you're welcome. You can thank me after service for that. Well, man, I am so excited to be with you this evening. I want to welcome all of our campuses joining us, Issaquah, Duval, uh, Winville, Bothell, Castle Rock, those of you joining us online. We are so happy that you are here with us. Uh, if you don't know who I am or I haven't had the opportunity to meet us, uh, my name is Robbie Knight. Uh, I have the privilege of being the high school pastor here at Timberlake. And I'm familiar that a lot of you don't know uh, about me or, or where I've come from or how I ended up here at Timberlake. So I just want to take uh, a brief minute to kind of share a little of my story and how I ended up here. And so uh, I was born in Denver, Colorado. Anyone else from Denver here? Yes, my people. I love you. I don't know you, but I love you. You are good. Man, I love Denver. I love that area. But because of my dad's work, uh, we, had to, we had to move around a lot uh, when I was a kid. And eventually we settled in a rural place uh, in central Indiana. Now, how many of you, you've experienced Indiana before? I am so sorry, you poor people, that you had to experience that. I'm going to remind you that if you, if you look at our guest service counter, uh, when you leave, we offer prayer. And so I would encourage you to just meet me there. If you haven't experienced Indiana, just let me tell you, it is, it is by far the most boring place on planet Earth. It is like cornfields, as far as the eye can see, visibility endless. Like there is just, there's just nothing there. And because of that, uh, you have to get like pretty creative to have fun. And I grew up with an older brother, and we were always trying to figure out ways that we could have fun in the middle of Indiana. So I remember, uh, I remember this one time. It just seems like every, every time my brother and I got together, and maybe you can experience this if you had an older sibling, uh, we always fought. <laughs> like it was, no matter what we did, it was always an argument. And there was this one time, uh, things got really out of hand. We were, we were in the backyard. We'd been in Indiana for about two years at this point, playing with sticks, Again, I can't, I can't emphasize enough how boring Indiana is. Like we're playing with sticks in the middle of the backyard and, and as we're hitting each other with them, I'm just thinking like, this is getting really boring. This is really mundane. We need something to spice this game up a little bit. And so uh, I remember my brother said, hey, let's go to the garage. We'll find some different toys. And so uh, we go to the garage and we're looking at the wall of like all the, all the tools there. And, and so my brother, he picks up like this old shovel uh, that he's gonna play with. And I'm looking and I'm like, that's pretty good. And so I'm looking across like all of, the, uh, all of the, the toys on the wall. I see the rake, I see the pitchfork. It's not what I need. Uh, that's not gonna work. I see the chainsaw, that's a little over the top. But then, but then I found the good one. Uh, so I picked up the machete on the wall and, and we started playing this game. And so all it was is there was just these sticks that were like sticking up out of the ground and you would like come up to them and you would, you would hit them and watch how far they fly. And again, Indiana, this is what we did for fun growing up. And, and my brother, I remember he's like 20 feet away from me. He's got this big old shovel uh, and he looks at me and there's this, this large stick uh, sticking up. 
And, and so he goes, and he like full-on baseball swings this thing, right? And I'm like, I'm watching this from afar, and it was like it all happened in slow motion. I don't know if you've experienced one of these moments, but it's scary. And all of a sudden, he hits this, and the stick just begins flying right at my face. And I'm thinking, I should move. I should do something. You should really move. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm watching it on, I'm like, play right in front of me. I'm, go, I'm yelling, no, as it's coming right at my face. It hits me, and I go down like this. And when I come up, there's legitimately a stick hanging out of my left eye. Yeah, like there, there's a stick in my left eye, and I am, I am just filled with rage, right? Like, any, like I'm holding everything back in this moment, thinking, man, he's bigger than me, he's tougher than me, and then I remembered I have a machete in my hand. And so, and so the next moment, I'm chasing my older brother around the yard, a machete stick out of my eye. I kid you not, my mom is watching all of this unfold from the sunroom. And, and I asked my mom uh, after it was all over, uh, and I came back in because I couldn't catch him. And I said, Mom, there's a stick in my eye. And Jeff did this. And she's like, I know. And you know what her, her advice was, the summary of that story? She just simply said, boys will be boys. <laughs> and moved on. Like as if that was just a normal thing because, because it was. In my house, between me and my brother, that was just a normal thing. That was always happening week in and week out. And, and when I think about this and I look at this, I actually believe that you... And I, my brother Jeff, we're not, we're not so different from each other uh, because I think inside of every one of us, there's kind of like an itch to fight. In fact, I would, I would put it this way. It's in your notes. You can write it down. It's in us all to fight. And really, and not even like the nasty kind of, you know, uh, stick in the eye, machete in hand kind of fights. Not even those, like, like good fights too. It's in us to like fight for the good things as well. Like some of us, some of us, we, we fight to get stronger. Uh, my wife and I, we're doing like the Gold's 12-week challenge right now, and that's, that's terrible. And we're doing, and we're doing uh, maybe some of you, you do uh, CrossFit. Is anyone in here, you do CrossFit? A few of us. Just so you know, this is the first time I've ever had to ask anyone if they do CrossFit. Because if you know someone who does CrossFit, it is all they talk about. Like any conversation, you're like talking about the weather and they're like, oh, this is a great time for me to talk about the water of the day, my new PR. It's like, no, 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 it's not. <laughs> but for some of you, you love CrossFit so much, it's all that you talk about. Uh, and you're fighting, you're fighting to get stronger. Some of you, you fight to be the best that you can be at your job. Some of us, uh, you fight to be the best that you can on the field or on the court. Some of us, we have to fight maybe to get the boy or the girl of our dreams, right? At least that was my story, and, uh, and it worked because uh, I married this babe eight uh, months ago. This is my wife, Savannah, and I. Yeah, this is good. That's the reaction I was hoping, at least like an awe out of you, because she is, she is unbelievable. I, I married up with this girl, and I don't know if you caught this. We've been married eight months now, so uh, I know what you're thinking, and yes, it's true. I did. I know all the answers about marriage at this point, eight months in, and I've got it all figured out. I know. But man, I had to fight for this girl, and it's in us all to fight. In fact, I think this is actually the way that God designed us to be, to fight for the things that we desire, the things that we want. And, uh, and I actually tonight want to look at a man who is, I think, better at this than anyone. And it's a Bible character. Maybe you've heard of him. His name is King David. And, and King David, he's like you, notorious 
for fighting. You might've heard of him and remember him in the story of David and Goliath, where David slayed a 10 foot tall giant with just a sling and a stone. But if we actually look at his story in the Bible, that is just one of many and many fights that David uh, was victorious in. In fact, I just listed a few here. Like th- this is all things that David had done early in his life. He, he had fought against the Philistine multiple times. David fought against his selfish desire to kill Saul. David fights to become bodyguard of the king. He destroys the Amalekites. He dis- defeats all the houses of Saul, defeats the Moabites, take down 18,000 Edomites. I mean, the list goes on and on and on about the fights that this guy was in. In fact, there's an entire chapter of the Bible just dedicated to the victories of David. Man, like like this guy, he knew how to fight. And to put it in perspective for you all, I've kind of calculated some things. David, David has fought more fights then Pastor Shane has asked you to stand up and turn to a neighbor and do something. Like, that's a real thing. Man, I've, I've looked into it. David has fought more fights than Pastor Ben has drank Diet Cokes. I mean, like this guy, this guy has seen his fair share of battles. This guy's kind of like a professional fighter. He knew what he was doing. It wasn't out of the norm for him to be doing this. But one day, one day, David, for whatever reason, he decided not to fight. And that's where I wanna pick up today. Uh, If you have a Bible, you can follow along. It's also gonna be up on the screens for us to follow along. It's gonna be 2 Samuel chapter 11. And we're gonna start right in verse one. Listen to this, Look, look at how the story begins. It says this, in the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him. But David remained in Jerusalem. And you've got to catch this before we go any further. You see, David is the king over God's nation right now. And this is the time of the year when he is supposed to be out in battle like all the other kings. But instead of going, he sends others in his place and he remains in Jerusalem. And that's where the story picks up, a story that maybe you've likely heard. It picks up in verse two and says this, it happened late one afternoon when David arose from his bed. And I've got to pause here for a minute because uh, this word bed, when you actually translate it from the Hebrew word, it most closely, uh, it most closely translates to the word couch. <laughs> in, like, in fact, a lot of translations in the Bible say late one afternoon, David arose from his couch. And I think this is fascinating because David is like the king of our entire nation. He's got servants and he lives in a palace and he's got all the wealth in the world. Does anyone else think it's weird that David is waking up late in the afternoon on a couch? I think that's weird. And maybe you're like, well, Robbie, I know that David had multiple wives and that could be contributing to this kind of thing that you're talking about. I don't know. Again, I'm only married eight months, but I'm thinking, man, this guy, he's waking up late one afternoon on a couch. You know what happened to me when I'm waking up late on the couch in the afternoon? I found a really good thing on Netflix that I could not book my eyes off of. You know what I mean? You've been there. I'm like, if I'm waking up late, I mean, it says late in the afternoon. He's like binge watched all of Gilmore Girls until 5 a.m. at this point, And he's just now waking up. I just think this is a, every time I read it, I see this picture. You got to picture it with me, but that's what I see. And then it goes on and the story says, and he was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof, a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful, very beautiful. And you can kind of see it and you can feel it in the story. And you're like, I don't know what's about to happen, but I hope it's not what I'm thinking about to happen. And this is, and you're trying to maybe process like, what is David's response to this kind of thing? This very beautiful woman. And it goes on, David sent and he inquired about the woman. And one said, is this not Bathsheba? 
the daughter of Elam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Like this, this girl is married and this is the part of the, of the, of the movie. We're just kind of like, David, I don't know what you're thinking, but you go back to your couch. You go back to your Gilmore girls, go back to the cheese puffs or whatever you were indulging in. But whatever you do, don't do what I think you're about to do. But then it goes on and it says this. So David sent messengers and took her. And just like that, this is like an episode of Taken all over. Like, it's just like he sent messengers and he took this girl, right? And then you're thinking, man, this can't, this can't get any worse, but it does. It goes on and it says, and she came to him and he slept with her. And I'm thinking in this moment, David's like, okay, we're moving on from here. And and that was really bad, but I'm going to go back to the couch now. I'm going to replay and think that that never happened. Uh, And maybe, maybe he thought this is a mistake. I'm going to put it behind me. But then something happens, plot twist. It goes on and says, and the woman conceived (laughs) and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. Now I didn't write the Bible, but if I did, the next verse I would have written was this. uh, And then David said, whoops, like, (laughs) like, dang it, right? Man, this is, this is a game changer. David went from being in one moment, a man after God's own heart. And five verses later, he's a baby daddy. Like, I mean, that transition, it is a crazy thing that happened in just a few verses. In fact, the story goes on and David, David, David continues in this and he tries to clean up his mess by actually killing Bathsheba's husband. And get this, David, the leader of God's nation, now labeled an adulterer and a murderer. But would any of this have happened if David just would have went to battle? No. David would have been fighting the same fights he's always fought and the same wars he's always fought, the same battles he's always been in his entire life. But because he decided not to go to battle, he, he, he fell into adultery, he fell in, in, into killing. And these are big things. And there's something practical that we can take from David's story And I believe it's the same for us. And you can write it down. It's this. It's that if you don't fight, you fall. If you don't fight, you fall. And man, I think, I think David maybe had a really good excuse as to why he didn't fight. I mean, maybe, maybe he's looking at this whole thing and he's like, man, I've been doing a lot in my life. Maybe, maybe I've been in wars and battles nonstop. I, I, out of anyone, I'm the one who deserves a break at least. You know, maybe, maybe it was that. Maybe he made other commitments. Maybe he said yes to too many things. I don't know why David didn't go to battle. I don't know. Maybe the latest season of Walking Dead appeared on Netflix and that's why he didn't go. I don't, I don't know what was in David's mind and thinking as to why he chose not to fight. But what I do know is because he didn't fight, he fell. And the same thing is true of us. The reality is, is that our story and David's story isn't much different. Because you see, we've been in battles our entire lives. Maybe the same ones again and again and again. And maybe at one point, maybe at one point you were like David, victorious in everything. And you really, you like, you really had victory in an area of your life, but little by little, for whatever reason, maybe you threw the towel in, you've sat a battle out. And because of that, some things in your life have fallen. And I just want to look at real briefly, there are, there are areas of our lives that I think are worth the fight. There, there are areas of lives that are worth 
fighting for. Because you know what I mean? There are things that like definitely in life are not worth fighting for. We've all been in an argument and like halfway through, we've even said it or thought like, what are we doing right now? This isn't even worth our time and our energy that we're investing in. But there are things in our life, there are areas that are worth the fight. And I just wanna dissect just a few of them. The first one is this, it's our friendships. And here at Timberlake, we believe that you can't do life alone. We believe that it's important for you to be investing in someone's journey as they invest in your journey. And maybe you used to have like a close group of friends or somebody that you could count on or somebody that was investing in your life. But little by little, maybe you've let that friendship fall through the cracks a bit. And now maybe you're in this room and you feel a little more isolated or alienated than you've felt in a long time. Because at the end of the day, friendships, friendships are worth fighting for. And maybe it's not that, maybe it's, maybe it's this for you. Maybe it's marriage. And man, your marriage is worth fighting for, it is. And maybe, maybe at one point you had a great, healthy, thriving marriage. I mean, it was simple in the beginning. You, you cared for them, they cared for you. It was this mutual thing of love and things just seemed to go really smooth. But with every battle that you sat out, you've noticed things unwinding. Man, let me tell you, it's worth fighting for your marriage. It's worth it. Maybe it's not that, maybe it's this. It's, it's just another component, it's your family. And maybe, maybe you've stopped fighting for this. Man, work got busy. Some things started filling up your calendar. And before too long, it feels like maybe you don't have the time to invest in your kids, your husband, your wife. And you've just kind of seen this piece of your life fall away from you a little bit. And it's worth fighting for, it is. Maybe it's not that, maybe it's this. It's your purity. And maybe for a while, this was something that you were really good in. You were winning every battle. But with every battle that you've sat out, maybe now you're sitting here and you don't even think victory is an option. Let me tell you, it is. It's just worth the fight. You've got to dig in for it. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's this. It's your relationship with God. Man, and God invites us into our relationship with him and to spend time with him daily. But like any friendship, when you don't spend time with each other, you grow distant. And maybe at one point in your life, you really fought for your relationship with God, but since then, you've fallen away from it. And that actually... That actually happens to be my story. You see, I, I don't remember uh, really growing up in a church until we moved to Indiana. And when we moved to Indiana, my, my parents thought just in the midst of a transition and everything that this would be a great time to get us plugged into church. So we had started attending this small podunk church in like the middle of Park County, Indiana. And I mean, like the, the average attendance was like 30 people. The average age was 65. And that was just because a 10-year-old was in the room bringing that down. I mean, like I could not, I could not connect in this group of people. I, I couldn't. And I just remember being, being dragged there every single day or every single week and just, man, I, can, I cannot connect. Once a month, they did this event called Cowboy Church. I kid you not, it sounds awesome. It wasn't. It was like, they, uh, the, all it was was the exact same thing they did every week, except the pastor wore a cowboy hat and played a banjo instead of the guitar. And they called it Cowboy Church. And it was a hoot, you know? I mean, it was, it was crazy. And man, I remember, be, remember going there and just not connecting. But what I do remember is the pastor talking about a life of fulfillment and abundance 
in Christ. And I remember even at the age of 10, 11, 12, hearing those things and thinking, that's, that's something that I want. And, and so even then I started picking up, I started picking up the Bible and reading it a little bit. I started listening to Christian radio and, and getting into worship music. I was, I was doing whatever I can, even though I didn't like going to church on Sundays, I still put up with it. Just, just thinking this is the routine. This is just what I have to go through if I want this abundant life that Jesus offered. And what I couldn't stand and what eventually put me off was it didn't matter how much I invested in those things. It didn't matter how, how long we spent time on Sunday morning. I hated church simply because it didn't matter if we showed up on Sunday. My family was just as dysfunctional Monday morning. And I couldn't piece that together. And I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. And so little by little, I, started, I just started sitting battles out. And I started not caring and not fighting for the things that God had asked me to fight for. And one thing led to another, led to another. And before long, I'm in high school and I'm investing in a, I'm investing in a time uh, in the wrong kind of friend groups, spend the wrong time with the wrong people. And that led to some bad decisions, which, which led to a life of alcohol and partying and just popularity, which eventually led to a life of, of fame, uh, drugs, and money. And that consumed me for years. And I lived in that. And, and I think on the outside, people saw me and they thought, man, he's, he's got it made. I mean, he's, got, he's got the nice car. He's got the nice girl. He's got the nice job. He's got all the money. He's got all the popularity. I mean, man, look at him. He's got it together. But on the inside, I'd never felt so empty in my life. And it didn't matter how much of the world I could ingest, it was never enough to fill the emptiness and the void that I have inside of me. And eventually everything changed my senior year. I remember it was, an, it was a late October night in my senior year of high school. And uh, I was spending time at a friend's house and we were partying and drinking that night. And I remember my girlfriend and I got into a fight and I thought, man, I just need to get out of here. I need to escape. So I got in the car uh, and I started driving uh, just to clear my head. And as I was driving, I decided for whatever reason, I was gonna, I was gonna pull into this church parking lot. And so I pulled into the parking lot. And when I did, um, I drove my car into the church. Like literally my car went through a pillar of the church building. And I don't remember honestly if I was drunk or, or high that night, but I remember is in that moment, something happened. And it's like two in the morning on a Wednesday night and all the lights on the church start turning on. And then a man walked out of the building, walked up to my car, and I'll never forget what he said to me. He looked me in the eye and he said, Robbie, you don't know who I am, but I've been praying for you for a very long time. My name's Rich Stadler. Why don't you just come in the building with me? I'd love to have a conversation. And I lost it. At the lowest point of my life that someone would be there willing to meet me and invest in me, I stepped inside his office in this church. We started having a conversation. I started sharing my story. He started sharing his story to me and it come to find out that our stories weren't so different. And that was the night that everything changed for me. As he taught and told me about the love of God and who Jesus is and what he did for me in a way, a tangible way that I'd never experienced or heard of in my life. And I thought, man, if this is who Jesus is, is who you are, and that's available for me, then I'm all in. 
And that was the night that I decided to fight all over again. I went out to my car, I released all the drugs and all the bull, all the thing that defined my life. I had conversations with friends that I said I was never gonna be with you again. That was the night I decided all in, in this moment, I'm fighting and I'm not giving up. I had dreams and envisioned a man, I'm gonna be a musician, I'm gonna do these kind of things. And I dropped all of that late my senior year. I decided to pursue a calling that God put on me. I studied Christian ministries at Indiana Wesleyan University to become a pastor. And every single day from that moment on, God has been shaping me and forming me into the person that he's called me to be. And each day I wake up, I choose to fight choose to fight. And I, lo I love the picture that, that Paul writes in this passage in Philippians. He says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, that I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me upward in Christ Jesus. And I love this picture that this paints that all of the things behind me are behind me. And I'm not looking at them anymore. I'm not focused on them anymore, but there is something new and better that in, in, upward from heaven that God has called me to that that has my eyes fixated on. That's what I'm going after. That is what matters. That my best is no longer behind me. And some of you tonight, you just have to remember, you have to realize, you have to get this wherever you're at. I don't know what you walked in here with, but some of you just need to know that your best is not behind you. It isn't. That there's something better ahead of you, that your past, it doesn't define you. That when your enemy seems big, that you remember that your God is bigger and you don't have to waver when you're weak. You don't have to procrastinate your progress. You don't have to defer your destiny. You don't have to cower when circumstances seem to change for the worse because you can cling to the promise that God says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You see, you don't have to fall short anymore. You don't have to look behind. You don't have to, to fall short or think of your past any longer. But see, you can focus on the prize and the the thing that God has called you to have that he's already said is yours to claim in Jesus. You see, you can fight for your marriage. You can fight for your children. You can fight for your family. You can fight for your purity. You can fight for your friends. Here's what you do. You fight for the thing that matters most and you don't ever give up. You fight against the temptation. You fight against the addiction. You fight against the lies that the enemy has to tell you. And you choose to believe, to not live in fear and not to believe that you are a coward, but that you are a conqueror through Jesus Christ. That nothing in this life, nothing in death, that, that angels or principalities, powers, things present, things to come, high debt, nothing in creation can separate you from the love of God. That's what you need to hear tonight. That's what you need to remember. Your best is no longer behind you, that there is something new and richer that God has called you to. And even in the areas of your life that you feel like you can't fight any longer, he's asking you to fight for again. And the question that you have to be asking yourself tonight, Timberlake, is this, it's simple. Where do you need to fight again? Where do you need to fight again? And maybe, maybe it's in your marriage. It's gonna be difficult and it's gonna take time. But listen, isn't, isn't a selfless relationship thriving and fulfilling a marriage like that? Isn't that what you always wanted to have? The reality is, is God wants you to have that too. God wants more for you than you want for you. Maybe it's in your marriage. 
Maybe it's in your, your family. You just gotta invest, find the time. Invest in your children, invest in your spouse, invest in your family. And maybe you need to fight again in purity or maybe it's addiction. Here's what you do, get, find a small group, get plugged in and find that accountability that you need in your life. In fact, this coming Wednesday, we're actually launching our small group program for high schoolers. And we're gonna have dozens and dozens of students show up investing and fighting for the things that matter in their life. And I love this. I love this because God is doing incredible things in our high school ministry every week, even in the short period that Savannah and I have been here. And, I'm, and in fact, this past week, we had, we had students, we have this thing called SMTs. It's our student ministry teams. And all this means is that students actually commit to showing up early on Sunday morning and serving their peers. These are the same high schoolers that like you can't get to take out the trash or even wake up in the morning. They're committing to showing up early and serving the people beside them. And they're signing commitments and, and, and having expectations, accountable expectations on their lives saying, no, no, I'm, I'm not content with where we're at, that I'm gonna fight for my peers and I'm gonna fight for my relationship with God because they believe and we know that it's in us all to fight. God designed it that way. He put that inside of you because he wants more for you than you want for you. You just have to figure out where is it that you need to fight again. Your marriage, your family, your friendships, your dreams, I don't know what it looks like. But he's asking you to take a bold step to begin fighting for something maybe you've never fought for before or maybe you've just kind of sat out in the past. It's not too late for you. He's got something special for you, I promise. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.